This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Canon Stephen Gautier and is from Pentecost Sunday, 2017. Today we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, one of the great feasts of the church's year, and it marks the end of the Easter season. And we might ask, well, why wasn't the Ascension, for example, which we celebrated last week, the end of the Easter season? Or why not Trinity Sunday next week? Why uh, the Pentecost? And there's a very important reason for that. When our Lord was talking about what his death meant, he compared it to planting a grain of wheat. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Well, the Feast of Pentecost is the Jewish feast of the wheat harvest, the first fruits of the wheat harvest. So the day, think of it this way, the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit is basically the fruit of that seed which was planted on Calvary. So Good Friday, we see, we see the planting. Easter Sunday is the blossoming. But the fruits, the richest of the fruits, we find on Pentecost. So we know the whole story of Easter when we have Pentecost Sunday. Remember the Lord said to his disciples right at his last, the Last Supper, he said, I'm telling you, it's to your advantage I leave. So only then can I send you the Holy Spirit. So this is the fullness of Easter. Now, sometimes it's hard to understand things unless you know something went ahead. Isn't that true? For example, think of like Lord of the Rings movies or books or something. You can't just sort of start in the middle. Well, you could, but you're missing something. And in history, it's sort of the same way, right? If you can't really understand, let's say, something like the Second World War, if you didn't know, let's say, the World War I and the Treaty of Versailles, you, you would be missing something really important. St. Jerome, one of our great church fathers, says you can't really understand Jesus in the New Testament if you don't know the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. He said, how can we understand Jesus if we don't know the promise to Abraham, if we don't know the promise to David, if we don't know the suffering servant of Isaiah? So, you know, actually, Pentecost Sunday is like that. There's something else we need to know where we risk not getting everything. So, so we, we should, what actually we need to look back to is something that happened on the very evening of Easter Day, what we had in our gospel today. So let's ask ourselves today three questions. First question is, what happened on Easter evening? That's our gospel today. Second, how is that different from what happened on the day of Pentecost? And finally, how can understanding that difference help us to live more fruitful lives in the Spirit? So let's take a look at our, um, at first glance, again, the two readings might appear confusing today. The apostles received the Holy Spirit, right, on Easter night. The apostles received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So what did the apostles receive on the day of Pentecost they hadn't already received on the night of Easter? Well, let's look at the gospel more closely. It says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. There are two things there. First of all is mission. He sent all of us, the church, on his mission. As the Father sent me, I send you. And he also gave them all of his authority, the, the, the ultimate authority, the power to forgive sins if Jesus is given to his church. He gave authority, gave mission and authority. But something was still missing. What was missing was empowerment. I think a comparison, we all know it, if you're a regular here at Church of the Resurrection, is last, last summer we sent our bishop and his family on a mission. We gave them a mission to Brazil for the summer. 
and they also needed a lot of authorization. Not only do you need passports, but they needed visas and things. Not always a simple matter when we're talking about a country like Brazil. So you need mission, you need authorization. But what was still missing? Like tickets, <laughs> right? You basically need transportation, right? So what happened is, after they got all those visas together, they got on a plane. So they needed that, they needed that, that empowerment. So too for us, we share Christ's mission to the world, all of us. And we've all been given Christ's authority as his church. But only Jesus can accomplish that mission through the work of the Holy Spirit. So let's draw four lessons for our lives individually and as church. The first lesson is to remember that true conversion and healing are always God's work. You see, we can persuade, we can try to persuade, but only the Holy Spirit can actually transform the heart. This is a fact. These aren't just words. Truly, we can persuade all sorts of things. Only the Holy Spirit can actually convict, transform the heart. And we have that image on the day of Pentecost, don't we? The apostles, to really reach people in their native language, you know, the Holy Spirit empowers them to speak a language they would understand. And these were odd languages. There's no way they would have known these. But the point is the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to reach someone with their own gifts they could never reach. You know, it reminds me of something I saw once on a plane. There was, uh, there was a man on the plane, and the stewardess or flight attendant said something to him, and he clearly was confused, didn't understand, so she repeated louder. And when he remained confused, he repeat, she repeated louder again. And finally someone said, I don't think he speaks English. And so we're sort of in that thing. That's the situation we have, is only that Holy Spirit can reach through to the language of the heart, really can reach in that place. So something to always remember in our mission is what people need ultimately, they don't need us, they need God. So our role is to help people come into contact with God, not replace Him, to be channels of God's grace. Reminds me of something, uh, when I was in the Boy Scouts, you say, did they have Boy Scouts that long ago? Yes, okay, but in any event, when I was in the Boy Scouts and we took first aid, they reminded us that when you had someone who was injured, I still remember the Scoutmaster saying, remember what people really need is a doctor. You're here to make that happen and take care until he can get there. So what you would do is saying, okay, the first thing you do is make sure you're sending for help before you start doing your thing. Hey, somebody, call a doctor. And then when the doctor comes, you get out of the way. Right? You let the doctor do the doctor's thing. Okay, so our application, you know, I think in our lives, knowing this, that the true conversion and healing are work of the Holy Spirit, is to be conscious of that when we deal with people, to pray truly, come Holy Spirit to really place ourselves to be vehicles, not to try to do the job ourselves, to be vehicles of God's grace. And also something, you know, we really emphasize the role of Scripture, uh, because Scripture can speak to people's hearts in a unique, miraculous way. Uh, someone I deeply admire is Billy Graham, and I remember he tells, the typical thing he tell this story about himself. He said, somebody came who had met the Lord at one of his rallies, and Billy Graham asked him, what was it? He likes to see, what was there in the sermon? He'd like to use it again, that, that touched him. The man said, well, actually, I didn't really get much from the sermon. <laughs> but he said, and it's wonderful that Billy Graham would tell the story. He said, but I heard something you said from Scripture. The Scripture spoke to me. And remember, bringing Scripture really can speak in places we'd never know. So our first lesson, it's God who does that work. Only God can actually transform, can speak to the heart. And we can help that by praying for God to be present, being channels of the grace. And by using Scripture, it's amazing drawing people to Scripture. A second lesson is we need to foster the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
You see, Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians that everybody has a gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Everyone in the church, every last one of us, has an irreplaceable gift. The church is poorer without that gift. But sometimes what happens is we don't use our gift. Why? Because sometimes we're jealous of other people's gifts. That's not the gift we wanted. Actually, the answer to that is it's, uh, it's good that it's not the gift you want because it's not for you. Right? All the gifts we have are for others, are for the common good. But secondly is we need to encourage the gift of others. I love Barnabas in the Acts of the Apostles. Imagine getting this name, not his real name. It means the encourager. Isn't it a beautiful thing that your name people call? He's the, one who, he's the encourager. So how do, we in, how do we encourage the gift of others? Now, one very practical application is to receive their gift. It takes real humility to receive the gift of others. Remember Peter on the night of the Last Supper? When Jesus wants to wash his feet, oh, never me, Lord, don't. You know, it takes humility to receive the gift of others. So our second lesson then is we need to foster the gifts of others, to take the gift we've been given and to share it, and also to, to, to help others, to encourage their gift by receiving it. The third lesson is when you're dealing with the Holy Spirit, we need to learn to expect the unexpected. When Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit to Nicodemus, what he says is, remember in Hebrew and Greek, the word for spirit and breath and wind are all the same word. So he says, basically he says, the wind, the spirit blows where it wishes. If you hear it sound, you don't know where it comes or where it's going. That's the nature of the Holy Spirit. We can't get out ahead of him. God does God's thing. And there's an application to this. Sometimes we try to get out ahead. We'll say, for example, about sharing our faith. Well, this doesn't seem to be a fruitful person to share the faith with. You know, Paul says to Timothy, he says, preach the gospel in season and out of season. We don't know where God's Spirit has been at work. That's part of it. We don't know where God's Spirit has been at work. We shouldn't try to second-guess that. We don't know. Some of the things that appear the, the least receptive soil for the seed turn out to be the most beneficial. Isn't this the story of Jesus' earthly ministry? It was sinners and things who came and, and bore the fruit, not the professionally religious. So I also love the story this way of second-guessing God. Uh, talk about father issues, I think it's a psychology, is remember when uh, Samuel is told as a prophet in the Old Testament, he's going to anoint a king to replace Saul. So he's, he goes to Jesse, and he says it's one of Jesse's sons. So he said, make sure you get all your sons to the dinner I'm going to have, and we'll anoint one. Okay, he brings his sons there, and he starts coming out in order, and what happens is they said, oh, this has got to be him, and it isn't. And they run out of sons after six. And finally, one of the embarrassing Samuels, that paraphrased Samuel is, you sure you don't have any more kids? <laughs> and he said, well, just David. He's out, in the, you know, he's out there in the field. Just David. Okay. They bring David in, and guess what? David's the one. David is the one. What's the lesson he draws for us? He says, God doesn't see how people see. God sees the heart. He sees things we don't see. So and also another thing of understanding to expect the unexpected is when we accept, we look beyond our powerlessness to allow God to do his thing, which is beyond, our, beyond any power we could imagine. In all human logic, the apostles should have said in Jerusalem, here's our 30-year plan to, to, to catechize West Jerusalem. In 30 years, the whole world would have heard the gospel. No rational person would have thought this because, again, the Spirit blows where he will. So we often, we shouldn't put our powerlessness onto God's power. 
So we need to expect the unexpected. You know, never, we go to places we wouldn't logically go to because we know God is bigger and can do things we never supposed in those places. And finally, the fourth lesson, we can't survive apart from mission. It's not a nice add-on if you have time. Remember, we, sometimes people like to say Pentecost is the birthday of the church. Well, in a way, that's true. It's the completion of the birth. You know, I had the privilege of being all my boys' birth. And it's a three-part process. We actually have you deliver the baby, right? Well, actually, my wife delivered the baby, just to be clear here. Okay, you deliver the baby. And then the second part is that the baby takes his first breath. But what are you all waiting for? Everyone in the room. That first cry to show it's actually giving back the breath that's received. So we know the church is actually delivered on Good Friday, on, on Calvary. Remember how we have uh, that... You know, the, the, the church is the spouse of Jesus, right? Well, we know that Eve was the spouse of Adam. She comes out of his side when he, you know, in a, in a, in a deep sleep. She come, is taken from his side. And so the church is delivered from the side. Remember the blood and water, you know, that come from Jesus' side on the cross is the image of the church. It's born on Good Friday. And guess what? It blossoms on Easter Sunday with the resurrection of Jesus. But when does the harvest come? When is the fruit? The fruit is on Pentecost. And so what we have again, what we have is it takes its first breath. When Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, he breathed on them. We breathe in, but when do they breathe out? It's on Pentecost Sunday, right? They breathe out that breath they receive to the world. Now, what happens if we don't actually take in our first breath? It's a tragedy. It happens. There's a child who's delivered. doesn't take the first breath. It's tragic. The child is stillborn. And so that's why our emphasis in our diocese, for example, is, is a revival of word and sacrament infused, breathing in the Holy Spirit. Because the, the, Bible, without the, Holy, the Bible without the Holy Spirit is just an old book, an interesting old book. With the Holy Spirit, it's actually God, the living God, speaking to us. You know, liturgy and things without the Holy Spirit is a bunch of play acting. It's ritual. With the Holy Spirit, suddenly, you know, transform these gifts to make them for us. It changes everything. So we have to have that. But what's the second? We say, okay, so the child is delivered. The child takes in that breath, but that's not the end of the story. If we don't give back the breath, what happens? If we don't breathe out, we'll never breathe in again. Right? The only way we can breathe in a second time is by breathing out. That's mission. Remember, he said, as the Father sent me, I send you. When the church ceases mission, it dies. I'm old enough to have seen this with my own eyes multiple times, when church becomes all about us. And it's nice if we have some other time, if somebody comes, it reminds me of a preacher once I heard, in the Church of Christ. Uh, in our, uh, and they, the Church of Christ preacher who'd said, I loved it. He said, for some people, evangelism is like fishing, where they put out a, they put out a net on the shore uh, with a sign that says, fish welcome. Okay, so again, when we lose our sense of mission, if we, we, if we don't, we breathe in the Spirit to share in Jesus' mission. If we don't take that mission, we will not take a second breath. Okay, so our conclusion then, good news is Pentecost isn't a past event. It's an ever-present reality. On the very day of Pentecost, what does Peter say? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Pentecost continues forever. It wasn't something in the past we're looking for. It continues to our day. And Jesus himself told us, he says, the Holy Spirit is always available to those who ask. 
Jesus said, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So on this day, the Pentecost, the Feast of the Gifts of the Holy Spirit, the completion of Easter, let's pray, uh, first of all, for the faith to allow God's Holy Spirit to work through us, to be channels of God's grace. Let's pray for a generous heart to share our gift, the gift he's been given with others. Let's pray for the humility to encourage and receive the gifts of others. And finally, for a heart to really care and love those who are far from the Lord. Let our prayer be simply, come Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.